0: How are y'all doing? Good. had an awesome time at the Thrive Banquet last night. Yes. I didn't actually hear um, because I had to leave early because I was preaching. Um, Does anyone know how much they raised? Over 700,000. 700,000? Wow. Praise the Lord. That is impressive. Um, Excuse me. I'm probably going to be doing that a little bit because I'm getting over... I am hoping I'm getting over a cold or something. Um, and Pastor Vaughn's back is out. Um, possibly the, maybe the worst it's ever been. So we need to be, which we will in a second, praying for him. Um, but he is in a lot, a lot of pain. He couldn't even go last night to the Thrive Banquet. And obviously he can't be here. So um, what I think would be cool to do Um, It's for us all to either text him or send him an email um, after the service. (laughs) Otherwise, he's going to get it, and he's going to be like, why are these people texting me at 11.15 when Pastor Bond's preaching? And then he's going to be like, I bet they do that when I'm preaching. (laughs) Okay, so... If you had to write yourself a, a reminder or send yourself an email as a reminder, that's what I have to do. I have an amazing like, reminder app, but I still use emails to like tell myself to do things. So if you have to do that, you can do that real quick. But um, I think it would be good to encourage him to text or email. Um, he does a lot of ministry to us, and we could uh, encourage him a little bit. Um, so we're going to uh, let the kids go to catechism class. Um, they can stand. I'm going to pray, and we will get into the word. God, we do want to um, intercede uh, for Pastor Vaughn, and do pray, God, that you would uh, touch his back right now, God, all the pain that he's in, that you would remove it. Um, you know exactly what's going on. You, um, you're the great physician, and, and you can heal it, Lord, just like that. Um, we ask that you would do that, God. And um, allow him to be mobile again. Allow him to be able to move about uh, without any assistance, um, God. And, um, Lord, put your hand upon him. Um, Sometimes, Lord, you use times like this to speak to us, maybe to get our attention about something, to have us focus uh, on a place where maybe we wouldn't even think about normally. Um, So I pray you do that. You'd speak to Pastor Vaughn. um, You'd reveal yourself to him as he's... um, Laying down, God, and I pray that you would uh, you would use this, God, to have him trust you more, to have him lean into you more, God, to have him know, um, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering, that you um, are a good God, just as we sang today, that you are a good, good Father, and that um, you are sovereign, you are in control, Lord. So um, do your work in him, um, do your work through him. We appreciate uh, his ministry um, to us here, God. And, um, Lord, let us uh, return it to him, God, um, in a little bit. I do pray for our catechism uh, classes. Uh, thanks for the teachers, God. It's um, a blessing to me as a parent to have other parents helping out as, um, as I want to see my kids know you, as I want to see my kids know your word. So I pray a special blessing upon the teachers, all the catechism teachers um, that labor, um, for you, God. And I pray you'd use it, Lord. Um, I pray you'd use it mightily, that there would be seeds planted, God, that would bear much, uh, much fruit. We pray for the upcoming play, um, which is months away, but will be here before we know it, um, that you would use that as well, God, um, in our kids' lives and the people that we invite as the gospel is shared. And Lord, um, we ask that you would um, give us a heart for the things that are near um, to you the things that are close to your heart, God. Uh, We want to be like you, and that means acting like you, and that means having at the forefront the things that are forefront for you. So um, open our eyes, God, um, our spiritual eyes, um, to these things. And uh, let us draw near to you, Lord. Um, Let us seek after you, and may you be glorified uh, in our midst. Amen. All right, turn in uh, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, we're looking at uh, verse 14. It says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want to make a a few notes about this text, and I want to make one that is so obvious it's probably often overlooked, and it's this. What a high honor for Jesus to call us the light. Think about that. Um, We would never take a title like that, I would hope, upon ourselves, uh, we would never walk around naming ourselves um, things uh, that might give us prestige. Um, but here, this is from Jesus Himself, spoken to us. The title comes from on high: "You are the light." And guess what? He doesn't do so lightly. Um, this is the word. That wasn't. I didn't even mean that. <laughs> <coughs> This is the word that John uses in the Gospel of John to describe Jesus himself. Look there real quick in John chapter 1. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life Jesus, and then Jesus uses it about us. So notice a couple things here. One, it's a statement of fact. You are the light. Not you will be at some future point, or not you were and you diminished it or you lost it. No, you are the light. In fact, it's not even a command. Be the light. No, it's, it's stating the way things are. You are are the light now that's the first thing to notice second notice the contrast between light and what darkness right in fact this kind of takes us all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis the very first thing God creates is light let there be light. And what does he do? He separates the light from the darkness. And so throughout all of history, we see this theme woven of light and darkness. And there's been a contrast ever since. So there's a contrast between us being light and, and darkness. Okay? In fact, if you are light, you are shining it into the darkness. So notice what we are not we're not part of the darkness. In fact, light, by definition, can't be dark. Right? It can't be dark. Uh, if it was, it seems to be light. Look at First Peter chapter 2. There's a couple of things we're going to look at today. Um, actually, a number of things. There's a few things that, that I want to to make sure stick with you. Actually, I'd like it to all stick with you, but um, that might be just too high of hopes. Um, <laughs> that's not an insult. That's just I'm the same way, right? There's, I try to take two or three things away from the sermon. So one of the keys, though, is that you're the light, okay? You're the light. Uh, the second one, though, is, is here. Uh, it's, it's an amazing verse in First Peter chapter 2, uh, in verse 9. He says this, You are a chosen race. I mean, it's really, there's all this Old Testament... Illusions going on here. Um, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen. And you know what? We just need to remind ourselves of that—that that, that He called us out of the darkness. And that's an amazing thing. You can look at your salvation from many different aspects. We can look at it from the adoption aspect. Um, but if you look at it from this aspect, I mean, it's, just, it's like mind blowing. We were in darkness, steeped in it, walking around, blind, stumbling. And He called us out of the darkness. We chew on it for a bit. It is amazing. Scripture after scripture talks about that. Uh, I, I've, when I was preaching uh, over the summer, Colossians 1, verse 13, that's what we looked at a few times. Just He transferred us out of the domain of darkness into his kingdom. Two kingdoms, right? Satan's kingdom, God's kingdom. Okay? He takes us out of the one kingdom and transfers us into the other kingdom. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I don't like starting in the middle of like in the mid sentence when I when I'm looking at a verse. Um, And the problem is, then you if I want to start in verse eight, but then that's in the middle of a thought, so then I got to go to verse seven, but then there's a therefore, (laughs) and so then he's making a conclusion. But then you need to know what the conclusion, where he's coming, how did he come to that conclusion, Um, and all of a sudden you're like all the way back at verse one. So. Honestly, that's probably where we need to start. But the problem is there. Then there's a therefore. <laughs> okay, so eventually we we'll would be back in Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. We don't have time for that. Um, so we're just going to start in verse 1, and you can figure out the therefore uh, later. Okay. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So, once darkness... Now light. And what's he saying? Don't get confused between the two. Don't act like you're the darkness. Don't be partners with them. Walk, there's the command, in the light, as children of light. To be called light is a privilege. A privilege indeed. You are the king's and you are his rightful possession. And you need to glory in that. Enjoy being the light. Enjoy it. Because you're the light, you need to shine. That's what light does. Naturally, it shines. So we need to shine. Shine how? With the gospel, for one. Um, but look, I understand our plates are full with activities and responsibilities. Uh, Basketball season just kicked in for us, so we're in full swing. Um, There's never an excuse, though, for us to not share the gospel. We need to be sharing it. Um, There's no legitimate argument for anyone to make to not share the gospel. I've heard people try to make arguments. Um, There's no legitimate argument. We're all called to share the gospel. It's not just my job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the person who has the gift of evangelism. It's everybody's job. The command is for everyone. Go. Uh, Listen, the servant, which is what we are, uh, we don't get to decide where we serve. Right? The servant doesn't decide where he serves. He serves where the master tells him. And the master has told us, all of us, plant the seed, till the soil, scatter the seed, sow it into the ground. And we cannot get choked by the thorns and the thistles of life. And trust me, I can, I can feel them sometimes, right? Starting to choke in, activity after activity. And what happens is we think, well, tomorrow... I'll give attention to that. And tomorrow, I'll, I'll think about reaching out to my neighbor. Or tomorrow, I'll focus on my coworker. And we have all these tomorrows that never become today's. And that's the danger. And then all of a sudden, we're years down the road, and we've been at our work for years and years and maybe never shared the gospel with anybody. Or we've lived at our house for years and years and maybe never shared the gospel with any of our neighbors. Because we have all these tomorrows that have never become today's. I think there's another challenge, too, and it's, it's this. <clears throat> um, we can get very inward-focused with our own spiritual life. And we get so focused on us um, having our quiet time and praying, which are good things, but those become basically excuses or distractions um, for us never to take um, to get past our, our prayer closet. I mean, we're praying and we're doing these things, uh, but is it really affecting us? Um, The uh, televangelist, some of you that are older will know, um, Jim Baker, who committed all sorts of heinous sins, um, had quiet times of like four and five hours a day, you know? He would go into his office and supposedly would read the word and pray four or five hours a day, this televangelist, and... Um, And then light was shed on the the heinous life that he was living. So what he was getting here sure didn't make a connection with his outside world. So he had, apparently, um, all of this, but it it never reached here to reach there. So we need to make sure that, um, you know, there's there's some times where we're dealing with something and and we kind of need to, like, work through some things with the Lord... But if that's been like years and years and years for you, that's you gotta you gotta move through that, past that, and, and start using your gift for others. Okay? If if I if having an issue or a problem or something I'm struggling with is my excuse for not sharing the gospel, for not doing ministry, guess what? I'll always have an excuse. Me personally. Alright? Because I'm always gonna be working with through something. And you guys are too. Everyone has their struggles. And guess what? If you're growing in the Lord, he's going to be revealing stuff to you that you have to work through. If he's not showing you areas that you need to be working on, that would be concerning if I, was, if I were you. He, he's always pointing out all st- sorts of stuff to me. He uses my wife to do that just greatly. <laughs> 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 Thanks, babe. I promise I'm taking notes and not <laughs> <laughs> Yes, just like last night at the Thrive Banquet, right? Yes. (laughs) She was taking notes at the Thrive Banquet, but was concerned people were thinking she was texting. Um, So don't get so inward focused that you're not being able to be used outwardly. That's really my point. Um, You just need to tell yourself, I'm not going to accept excuses in my own life that will prevent me from doing work for the Lord. Um, so shine, but don't just shine. Shine brightly. Um, you know, at stores, you know, you go to the light section. Hey, you ever been to Lowe's or Home Depot? Like they got like an entire. There's so many bulbs, it's crazy. And now you've got LEDs and those little twisty and whatever they're called, um, and then the regular ones that most of us grew up with. But there's 40-watt bulbs, there's 60-watt bulbs, there's 100-watt bulbs, and now apparently there's like 13-watt bulbs that are just as bright as the 60-watt bulbs, and I don't understand how that works. Um, But the point is this. Some shine brighter than others. Some shine brighter than others. Uh, My exhortation is to be the bulb that shines brighter. Listen, someday... You're going to be dead. And your body is going to be laying in a casket. And as friends and family uh, console one another, what do you want them to be saying about you? I mean, I don't know what thoughts go through your mind when you go to a funeral. Um, But one of the things that is healthy about funerals is they bring you face-to-face with your own mortality. Because there it is. The person, their body, literally laying right in front of you. And so you are forced to somehow process that and deal with that. And it puts things, it should, in perspective. And guess what? All of us, are going to be laying horizontal someday. All of us. And some of us will be coming to your funeral, and you might be going to some of ours. But we're all going to be there. And it's a sobering thought. Uh, But at that point, I mean, it's really too late for us to do anything else. The end will be done for you or me. Um, think of the Christmas carol, that drama that we um, did for so many years. Scrooge, right, goes through the different ghosts. He wakes up in the morning, and it's like he's got a new lease on life, right? And, and one of the, I'd say, points of the Christmas carol is that each day for us, we have that new lease. We have an opportunity to do the very thing that Scrooge vowed to do, to start anew, to go in a different direction, to get back on track if we need to. We have that opportunity every time we get out of bed in the morning. We're supposed to be shining. We're supposed to be shining brightly. You want to know how bright a light is? Turn it on in the dark, right? I mean, if we went outside right now, it's, I don't know, 1130, 1145, and we took a 100-watt bulb with a lamp and turned it on, it wouldn't make a lick of difference. It just wouldn't. Uh, but if we went uh, somewhere in this church, probably the, one of the, the old copy room closet, uh, and flipped that on, it would be very helpful to have that if we were in there. Okay? It makes a difference in the dark. I don't know about you, but when I turn a light on in my house, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I like it to be bright. Okay, And one time, I don't know how it happened, but we bought like, like a 25-watt bulb. Those things are useless. No, seriously. They're totally useless. I don't even, I don't even know. They, they probably make them for something, uh, for some reason, but not for houses, that's for sure. Um, no good at all. So I've been like slowly swapping out my house with like 100 watts. And if they ever make them even bigger, I'd probably go that way, you know. Because when I'm sitting and I'm trying to read, I don't, I don't want to be squinting. Um, I've got glasses, right? So I'm trying to save everything i got. I want it to be bright. I want it to be bright. we got to go, and when we, when we go into the darkness, we got to shine bright. Bright. So this is going to be uh, taking intentional, directed effort on our parts. If you just wait for evangelism to happen, it won't. Okay? Uh, the worries of, of the day will cloud your mind and distract you, and you'll just move right on. You have to be intentional if you're going to be sharing. You have to look for those opportunities. You have to pray for those opportunities. Um, In the life groups, we talked about praying for the people that we want to get saved. And you talk to soul winners, and when things are bathed in prayer, it seems God works the most, acknowledging that he is the one who has the souls in his hand. So, um, go back to Matthew for a second because I want you to see this. So he starts out in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, Matthew 5. And then he says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Um, I think an application here is this. Don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. That might seem common sense, but Jesus points it out. So apparently it's something we needed to see. Uh, Don't take the lamp and obscure its purpose. Use the lamp fully. Uh, Application for us, uh, don't hide your light. Don't hide the very thing you are. Or deny it or downplay it. Be the light and shine. I was over at some um, friend's house um, yesterday doing some work for them, and they, um, they had a swimming pool. And when I got there, I, I hadn't been there in a few years, and so I was looking at the swimming pool, and I was like, oh. I'm like, it looks like it's like all the same you know, depth, like whatever, three or four feet or something like that. I'm like, man, I don't remember it, it, it being one of those pools that it, it doesn't get deeper at the end, you know? And so um, as I got closer, um, I could see, as I got really close, I could see that, you know, there was kind of this drop-off. Of course, the diving board at the end probably should have given it away, but <laughs> be that as it may, um, I could see that it got deeper, but it, it took me getting closer to the swimming pool to realize that. And I was kind of reflecting upon that um, because some of the work I was doing was around the swimming pool. And I feel like I feel like God is a representation of that swimming pool to us. And here's how, because I think sometimes when we stand from a distance and try to make observations about God, we can come up with incorrect observations. And so we, uh, from a distance, observe. And we can make notes and, and think that we're accumulating knowledge on that, but we're just learning about that particular thing. We're just learning about the swimming pool. We're just learning about God. Um, but it's interesting, as you get closer and able to you know, even interact with the thing more directly, um, your knowledge, if it's misinformed, can be corrected. Um, now, I, I don't know much about swimming pools, um, but I think there's like two different ways to. There's like the chlorine way to keep stuff clean, right? And there's the non chlorine. David Heather, help me out here. Is there like at least two methods or something? Okay. So, um, but I, I couldn't tell you um, what method these people use to keep the pool clean. All right? I couldn't tell you that. But how could I have found out? Get in the pool, right? Now, I could have gotten close to it or smelled it or even tasted it, which would have been kind of weird. Um, (laughs) But um, I could have experienced it, I guess is my point. And I think a lot of times uh, we're content with our relationship with the Lord of just observing from a distance. Um, Maybe even getting a little bit closer, uh, you know, just enough to see, well, it, it is actually deeper at parts, you know, Um, But our relationship with the Lord, I want to encourage you that we don't want to just learn about him. We want to learn of him. Not just learn of him, we want to know him. You know, there's two different words, actually three, but two different main words for knowing in the New Testament. It's really interesting if you ever um, do the study on it. Um, but one, one is basically no in a more general sense, and one is more no in a relationship intimate sense. Um, and the one, it, we're actually supposed to do both when it comes to us and God. We're supposed to know about him, but we're supposed to know him. So, yes, is it good to observe the swimming pool and even get close to it? Yes, but at some point, we've got to get into the swimming pool. We have to experience the swimming pool. We have to know the swimming pool. Too many of us are, are, are just kind of observing from a distance. Um, I encourage you to get to know the Lord truly. Okay. Um, that can come about in, in, in many ways. Um, here's the standard. Okay. And this in prayer. And... Uh, you know, there's, some, there's an interesting verse in, in Corinthians we don't have time to go to, but it talks about the love of Christ compelling us to do his work. The love of Christ compelling us. And one of the questions I ask whenever I read that is, um, is, is the love, because you can look at it two ways, really. Um, does the love I have for Christ, um, does it, is it compelling me to really be willing to do things that maybe in my flesh I wouldn't want to do? Because I can tell you, in my flesh, I definitely don't want to share the gospel with nobody. It's hard enough when I'm in the spirit. All right? So, do I love the Lord enough that I'm willing to do that? That's the question that I have to ask myself. Because guess what? I know he loves me enough. He loves me more than enough. The second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, at the heart of it, I believe at the heart of it is reaching your neighbor with the gospel. You say, well, why is that? Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, um, you have his best interests at heart. And it's in his best interest. It's in her best interest to hear the gospel. And, and you can take that step towards doing that when you, when you put their interests above your own. Because I know I got my own interests, all right? I got a long list of them, and so do you. Uh, but it's not about our interests. It's about the interests of others. And it's in, my best, it's in my neighbor's best interest to be presented with the gospel. It's his best interest to give him that opportunity. And, and, and all of us, I feel like, maybe not all, but many of us are convinced that we're always going to get a no, well, we're going to get some no's. But the fact that we're all here means we're going to get some yeses. And you're here because someone was faithful to share the word with you. Right? Maybe it was a parent. But for some of you it wasn't. It was someone whether it was a neighbor or a coworker stepping out of their comfort zone and sharing with you. And think of that just for a second. You're saved, right? But not only are you saved, um, if you have children, there's a good chance that they're saved or they're being saved. So when they shared with you and gave you the word of life and you responded to it, I mean, you talk about transformational just for yourself, but I mean, it has an outworking effect that is bigger than just you. When I'm sharing with someone, I don't think of myself as just sharing with an individual. I think of myself as sharing potentially with a family. So you might be sharing with the boyfriend, but he might go talk to his girlfriend about that. You might be sharing with the husband, but he might go home that night and talk to his wife about it or his kids about it. And that might stir something in them. Maybe that word wasn't even necessarily for that person. He's just the conduit to get it to where God wanted it to go. I don't know. But we've got we to kind of have a more of God's perspective and, and this bigger perspective of the work that the Holy Spirit does when we're preaching the Word. And here's the thing. Um, you're not responsible for the fruit. You're responsible to preach the Word. You're responsible to sow the seed. Okay, God will make things fruit that he wants fruit. He'll do that. If you are faithful, I believe there will be fruit. Um, Some are sowers, and some are reapers, okay? And some are really good reapers. I mean, they just, like, open their mouth, you know, and they're like Billy Graham or Franklin Graham, and people just, I want to get saved, right? I'm more like the sower, I feel, okay? That's fine. I mean, if that's, hey, if that's my position, then I'm going to be the best sower I possibly can. And I'll scatter the seed, and I'll scatter the seed, and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll water it, or one of you can help me water it, right? And someone else can, 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 uh, can reap that. That's fine, really, right? Because our sh- heart should be for souls. So I don't care how they get saved or, or who saves them. I just want them saved. That should be our heart as well. Um, the church... Is a witness to who Jesus is, and guess what? We're the church, right? Someone at some point was light to us, and we need to be light to others. Uh, one of my uh, one of the the students that changed the globe was uh, saying, "Man, you know all this crazy stuff going on, and it just seems like you know society's getting worse." And so he's been asking me for to kind of preach on, like, end times and what it's going to look like. You know, Matthew 24 is a good place to look. Um, Jesus says, the love of many will grow cold. That's a scary thought. I don't know how much time we got left. I don't know how much time you got left. I don't know how much time I got left. I don't know how much time until Jesus comes back. If he comes back right now, no complaints here, all right? I will be rejoicing greatly, and I am ready for him to come back. I do know this. Our time is short. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And God has given you spheres of influence um, that he hasn't given me, that he hasn't given the person next to you or in front of you or behind you. So he plants each of you uh, where he wants you. So you have the neighbors that you have because that's the way God wants it. You got the coworkers you have because that's the way God wants it. And that's where you're supposed to shine. You got the family you have, sorry, because that's the way God wants it. (laughs) That's where you're supposed to shine, to those people. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the greatest, that you're the best, that you are the light, that you illuminate our souls and our hearts, God. I pray that you would shine in our hearts, God, on this issue of evangelism, on this issue of reaching out, on this issue of being really gospel-oriented, Make us, God, your servants in this area, Lord, that we would step out. Thank you for the examples in this church of people that we all come into contact with and know, Lord. And um, their heart is for evangelism, Lord. And um, I pray that their example would be an example to us to uh, pick up the flag with them, God, and, and be sharing as well. Lord, we don't want to see people go to hell. I believe that of everyone in here, God. Um, We want to see people know you. And so I ask, God, that you would use us. Let us not leave it to another, God. Um, You've put us where you've put us for your purposes. So let us be faithful, God, faithful servants of you. Let us do the things, Lord, that you want us to do. Um, Servants have tasks, some of them they might like better than others, God. Um, A faithful servant does them all. So God, I pray you'd give us a desire um, in this area, Lord, for those of us that might not have a desire. You'd give us a true love for our neighbor, to reach them, to minister to them, God, um, to share your truth with them, Lord. Um, Let us make the most of every opportunity as Ephesians talks about God. Lord, we want to see you glorified. We want to see your, your church, the church universal, built up. Um, and you use us to do that, God. So we pray, we ask, use us, send us, God, to do your purposes. We love you. Amen.